Howdy, howdy do, Who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And this is episode 310. Yes. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective view, more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years, and not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes, and it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Howdy, 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 howdy do, everybody. Welcome back to another week. It's episode 310. I hope you've all had a cracking week and that you've managed to do something Doctor, Doctor Who, Who related. Related, yeah. yes. Indeedy. Before we kick off today's proceedings, I just want to say a very quick apology to everybody. My neighbours have decided to, decided to fire up arguably one of the loudest things in their garden. I think it's a pressure washer or a petrol-powered motor. I'm not sure. But you'll be you'll be able to hear that in the background. So I do apologise. They're hopefully pack it in very shortly. So yeah, welcome to episode three ten. Got visions of you going out there and wrapping it around their neck, like just get, getting so annoyed of it, like shut up, just leapfrogging <laughs> over the fence. Yeah, just snapping halfway through recording. Where's Gary gone? And just yeah. hearing a clunk and smash. Yeah. Well, that's not far off reality. That could happen. So I know. watch this. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, welcome to episode three ten. It's uh, it's been a crazy old week, defo for Doctor Who. But those of you in the UK, I hope you've had a nice uh, rested long weekend. We had a bank holiday here, so nice little lay, cheeky little lay in on the Monday, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. Those of you that have not had that in the UK, sucks to be you. But hopefully you'll get that when <laughs> whenever your uh, your country of origins holiday rolls around, whatever. But. Uh, yes, yeah, so it's been a crazy week. Um, Adam and I had a, we had a bit of a waffle before we started recording, and we're all aware of what's going on in the world of Doctor Who with a certain actor from uh, from Who, beginning name beginning with N, surname C. We're not going to get into details on that stuff. We we're all fully aware of what's going on, but 
this is we, you know us by now this we're not the sort of podcast that's going to dive into all that negative stuff whatever's happening over there that can happen over there we're not going to comment on that stuff but yeah it's been a bit of a crazy week dude so we've got one bit of news to get through um which is not that stuff something else to talk about and uh otherwise dude how you been you enjoyed your bank holiday weekend and whatnot yes yes not too bad i it's kind of thrown me the bank holiday though because i feel like i'm a day behind now like so yeah but it's been good yeah i had a nice nice bank holiday um you know you were going to start watching Line of Duty? Mm. Don't bother. Uh, oh, <laughs> I was so disappointed in the final, mate. You know, I love that series. And no, I'm joking, actually, because I still think it's a really cracking series. But obviously, we had the final at the weekend, and I'm one of the millions that just sat there and was like, oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, but no, no do, do, do watch it. It's, um, it is a great series. But yeah, the final was really flat. None of the sort of spark or twist that we come to imagine so that that is funny actually how that has stayed to me all bank holiday weekend it's funny isn't it when you get engrossed in a show like i was having my cereal yesterday and i was still thinking about it still thinking <laughs> god i can't believe it went out like a damp squid like that you know anyway but apart from that i've had a pretty cool weekend um although oh dear another bit of sort of down in the dumps news me and maria our writer maria we're not happy oh, we are not what's happy. happened what's happened well we both tried to get tickets to the Dragonfire BFI screening. Um, and it's sold out like within seconds. I mean, Maria's a member, so she actually got a head start on me. And even she didn't um, didn't get a ticket. Um, I, I didn't renew my membership because last time uh, I had trouble getting a ticket, even though I was a member. So and I just can't afford it at the minute. So, yeah, I'm really good. Haven't managed to get a ticket to the Dragonfire, dude. Um, and I hate mm. to miss out on those BFI events, so I'm a little bit down about that. I uh, I might just go to the bar anywhere and, and get smashed and just just <laughs> pretend, <laughs> just just uh, yeah, just shout abuse at those that did get to go. Oh, I enjoyed it, did you? Oh, I just like some drunken idiot at the bar, dressed as the Seventh Doctor. Oh mate, yeah, no, yeah, Mar- yeah Maria did say that uh, in the Discord server that tickets were all sold out and stuff, and I immediately thought of of you and some of our other who fans that regulars that go to those events and thought, well, I hope everybody managed to get a ticket, but I can only assume that they've reduced capacity to keep some they distancing have. and stuff. Right. Yeah. So it's yeah. even more difficult than usual to, to get the ticket. So bit of a bummer. It's exactly it. Yeah. Maria just messaged me literally before we kicked off recording. Um, yeah, no, it's exactly it, mate. My, my friend is sat in one seat and his partner's like four seats along because mm. you, you're allowed to buy up to two tickets. I think, so, yeah, it's a shame. The person I'm really good for is Adam, our friend Adam, the ultimate Hoovian, because he loves Dragonfire. He blimmin' loves Dragon. I know he was <laughs> so pleased when they announced it, and uh, um, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe he'll be lucky enough to get a ticket at some point. Maybe someone will drop out. But, yeah, so that's bad news. So there'll be no big Blue Box podcast report yeah. from BFI. Unless we get one. You never know. It's a couple of weeks away. We might be lucky. Maybe. I'll just be constantly yeah. refreshing for the next three weeks constantly <laughs> yeah they often release a few of them where people have cancelled and whatnot so you never know it, it does happen yeah yeah it does happen yeah I, I remember seeing a seat pop up for talons um just really randomly i was on a bus like just as a as you do just sort of check the website i'll just refresh it and a seat come up just like that just one seat so it's worth doing mm. yeah. yes definitely but apart from that that may i've not done a lot this week yeah, it's been a quiet week yeah same for me dude bit of a quiet one yeah, a bit of a quiet one for sure. So, uh, before we crack on with the news, remember to follow and or subscribe, whatever 
whatever uh, word you want to use. All the podcast apps are changing up at the minute. But follow, subscribe, whatever. Whatever podcast app you get your podcasts on, you can listen to us for free. We have a new show that lands every single Friday. So get on that. That way you won't miss a show when it drops uh, on the Friday. Uh, head over to the website, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all the shows on there as well. And uh, we also have our really cool reviews and articles that go out from our writing team, Maria, Mark and Jordan. So check those out as well. We are on the socials, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. There are links on the website or do a search for the Big Blue Box podcast. You'll find us on there. Come and uh, give us a like and a follow. We chat Doctor Who throughout the week. Uh, so come and do that. And we also have a free Discord server as well. Again, there's a link on the website. Sign up to that. It takes like 20, 30 seconds. And there's a very, very cool community of who fans that we have around our discord that chat doctor who it's a really cool chilled safe place to come and chat doctor who there's no um there's no foolishness there there's no idiots uh, knocking around it's all it's all nice and, and cool chat so uh yeah really love our discord uh, members they're all very cool so come and do that and also while we're talking about online stuff remember to go and check out my co-host channel over on youtube it is, in, in fact, called The Geek's Handbag. The Geek's Handbag, yes. Yeah. Going to have a look at some vids that I've done over the years and, and quite recently as well. Yep. And I'm on all the socials. Indeedy. Yes, indeed. Right, let's get this bit of news out of the way, dude. Let's do it. Yeah. Ah, here we go. I'm... It's one of those weeks where we we have oh. one bit of news, and unfortunately that news is sad news, so I hate doing this, but Frank Cox, the TV director from back in the day who directed some of the early Doctor Who Suffer, sadly left us. He passes away at the age of 80. Now, Frank, uh, he was involved in some really early stuff on Doctor Who. He was um, uh, he, he actually came through the ranks from like the early, so when the BBC started doing their training programmes for producers and directors and stuff like that he went through the director's program trained up at the bbc and then they put him to work um straight away and one of his um early early tasks was um uh, the brink of disaster which was part two of the edge of destruction uh, and then returned and went on to look at uh, the final two episodes of the centerites uh, which is uh, one that we reviewed relatively recently in the last couple of months yeah and uh, yeah and then after that uh, went on to do a combination of producing and directing through the 80s and 90s and stuff and worked on stuff like EastEnders and Task Force, uh, Sutherland's Law, all those sort of early um, mid-80s to mid-90s stuff. And then his last his last directorial, uh, directorial uh, uh, credit was for Taggart, which I is a, a detective show that was out in the, the, the late 90s, mm. uh, I think. And uh, yeah. So very sad news, dude. Frank Cox leave us, leaves us at the age of, of 80. So, yeah, sucks to report it, but worked on a couple of bangers, though, in the early Doctor Who days. Mm, definitely, mate. Yeah. And his wife apparently um, appeared in Gridlock, uh, playing the character Alice Cassini. Oh, Cassini, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, she died in, in 2014. Yeah, sad news, uh, Frank Cox. 80 yeah. years old indeedy yes so that's the uh the sad news out of the way but we're going to be looking up now as we get into our review we're back to modern who dude dude what are we reviewing what are we reviewing tell yeah, me tell me yeah <laughs> tell me well is it it's the 11th doctor story the 11th hour i'm a doctor i'm a time traveler did you come about the crack of my wall two parts of space and time that should never have touched 
Murray, absolutely going for it there. Yeah, Murray Gold earning his wages that week. Yeah. Yes, right, the 11th hour. It was first broadcast back on the 3rd of April 2010. Just missing the hoo-ha of this being a potential April Fool's joke. But fortunately it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Slightly longer runtime for this one. Just over an hour. It was written by The Moth Bag, directed by Adam Smith. Stars Matt Smith, obviously, as the new Doctor at at that time. Karen Gillan as Amy Pond and Arthur Darville as Rory, the unbeknownst to them the new companions of the time and the synopsis for this one is after a literally explosive regeneration the brand new 11th doctor survives a crash landing to earth however he has a little time to recover uh, with a mysterious crack in a little girl's wall and a missing alien prisoner the doctor is in for an adventure however with the tarnis damaged and the sonic screwdriver destroyed can the doctor capture the rogue alien before its jailers burn earth to a crisp (laughs) <laughs> that's got moffat in all over that synopsis isn't it it has it? yeah yeah okay dude the 11th hour we've spoken about this one on and off for years on the podcast we always come back to this one when we're talking mm. about matt smith and so on so now's our opportunity to to put a score on this bad boy so what are your thoughts my thoughts are it's great it's a really i mean it's such a cracking introduction uh, for matt's doctor um, it's, I mean, hands, you know, off to Moffat. He, he, he delivers a really sharp, fun, action-packed script. Uh, it's weird. You just mentioned it's over an hour. I didn't realize I rewatched this last night. Didn't occur to me that it was like an extended episode. Cause I was just loving it. Um, I've got to be honest. I've watched this a few times over the years, but not haven't watched it since. So me and you did a commentary for this, didn't we? Uh, a few years back with mm. like a commentary track for it that's probably the last time i watched it um and i was slightly worried that you know maybe i was looking back with rose tinted glasses in my mind i thought oh, i'm gonna watch it again just to make some notes even though i know the story really well and i thought i hope when i watch this with my wurzels review head on <laughs> that i don't sort of see faults in it because you know it's one thing watching something for enjoyment it's another to sit down and watch it to review and um, so I was slightly worried that it wasn't going to be as good as I remembered or, or anything like that. But actually, it stands up incredibly well. Um, you can tell that Moffat has, has come in and put his stamp on it. I mean, the whole production just looks brilliant. Well, maybe there's a couple <laughs> of dodgy CGI. But in terms of like the way the scenes are lit... So, like, the opening shots in, in Amy's garden and all this, there's, like, this yellow and blue smoke, the colours and the windmill spinning around. It looks absolutely fantastic. It, it's almost like a feature film in, in terms of the style of this episode. It's, it, it's a beautiful-looking episode. But, but, yeah, the script as well is really pin-sharp. It's funny. 
Matt is superb in it. He absolutely hits the ground running. Um, all the actors are good in it. You know, even, you know, the young Amy Pond, Amelia Pond, because, you know, you get a young actor. She's given quite a lot to do at the start as well. You get the wrong actor in that part, and they're going to be cringy, and it's just going to sort of throw the whole thing off a little bit. She's brilliant as well. Her and Matt, you know, work really well together. Yeah, everything just works for me. And we just mentioned Murray Gold. Now, he's been there since the show came back in 2005, delivered some great music. But even Murray seems to have just decided to up the ante. He's, he's like flip, you know, he's, he's not doing the same stuff he did for David's Doctor. The music in this is absolutely beautiful. And although we all got sick of I Am The Doctor, <laughs> it was fresh and new when this first hit the screens. And it was, it's a great theme. Um, but it's not just that. I mean, the, the the music that's playing when Matt meets Amelia Pond in the garden, the piano, it's absolutely brilliant. And it is totally different from what Murray's done before. So not only has Moffat come in and, and given it a brand new look, and it looks fantastic. He's delivered a great script. We've got a new doctor. We've got a cast who are absolutely on fire. Everybody seems to be working to make this show, lift it to the next level, which is what they needed to do. Because let's face it, you know, David Tennant was a hard act to follow. He was incredibly popular. Like, he was he was really loved as the Doctor. So they've got to do something to keep the audience on board. And, and I think they really lifted the show to a next level, which is no easy feat. So it's a belter. It's about it. And I'm glad it stood up to how I remembered it as well. It didn't it didn't disappoint rewatching this yesterday. I loved it from start to finish. Really, really enjoyed it. And the joke still made me laugh. <laughs> you know what I mean? The little gags, the little, yeah. there's so many great one-liners in it that you might think, you know, on the fifth or sixth watch, you'd be like, oh dear, yeah, raggedy man, all oh, that again. They, they're still making me laugh, all the stuff that Matt comes out with and, you know, delete your internet history and you cheeky devil to, to Patrick Moore. All these little gags are still funny and, and that's, a, that's a sign of a good script, I think. So it's a winner for me. I could, honestly, I could, I could praise it to the hill. It's a, it's a near perfect episode i think i think it's great over yeah. to y'all yeah mm. i know you love it <laughs> shut up <laughs> yeah dude this is like you said this is near perfect isn't it doctor it's brilliant yeah it's absolutely brilliant absolutely love this one and and a, a yardstick for me from a personal level is if my wife walks into the room and she, she sees that i'm watching doctor who if she sits down and watches it then that's a sign of a good a good a good episode of Who from a non-kind of, not to say hardcore fan, you know what I mean though, from a person that really, really loves Doctor Who like us versus just yeah. a casual viewer like my wife. She watched she watched it from start to finish. Really? Yeah. She oh, sat wow. down, she yeah, watched it. Good. Yeah. And, uh, and she said afterwards, she's like, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of Matt Smith. Um, he's not my go-to as, as the Doctor. However, she said she really likes him in, in that one, in, 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 in this one. Uh, so yeah that's a good yardstick um, from a casual viewer um, perspective but dude it's just a really just a solid thoroughly enjoyable just awesome bit of Doctor Who I mean you would never have thought that with making so many huge changes at the time that they would have pulled it off like from episode one just straight out the gate it would have Mm -hmm. because you would have thought that with so many changes like showrunner and lead actor 
and uh, the production side of things and then the new logo the new theme like you can tell that moff went to murray gold and said look loved your work so far but we need to do something different for this for this era and you would have thought that on paper like wow this is a big old shift so it's going to take us a few episodes to find our feet like a lot of shows do Mm. but no it's like (laughs) straight away episode one it's like boom everything's just rocking and rolling in place it's remarkable really how they pulled that off because on some shows when it comes back for series whatever number you want to put in there it's like yeah it's it's either a case of yeah that was amazing or it's like mm, i'm not really feeling it yet and then you get a few episodes in and you're like okay now i'm starting to now i'm starting to get into it but now this was amazing and and uh just matt smith just I know we say it about a lot of actors who have played the Doctor that they the, the BBC do generally cast that role very well, and whoever plays the Doctor typically gets off the gets out the trap really well. But Matt Smith is, I don't know, he's just it, it just it's incredible to me really um, how he could being such a young actor as well, not being mm. as experienced as some of the actors who have taken on the role previously. He's just uh, just crashed into it with absolutely no fear, and absolutely just embraced it, and just immediately not not emulating any other doctors, just completely owning that from day one. It's amazing, dude, and I love it. And yeah, and the direction is very cool. Like you said, it looks fantastic for the most part. The direction is really good. Murray's music is just hitting the mark in every scene it feels like beautiful yeah yeah and although we do say like you said that that theme i am the doctor is overplayed throughout moffat's era you can't deny it's a cracking it really gets you going doesn't it yeah so although it's used for a lot of running down corridors and a lot of right there's an action scene coming up now we're going to cue the music it's a bit like the a-team you yeah. can't deny that yeah. it does get you pumped up and it does get you into the story and stuff. So I'm a huge fan of this one, dude. Massive. Mm. It's just a joy to watch. I didn't reach for my phone, didn't go on the socials when it was felt like it was dipping and I was bored for any reason. It was just, yeah, man, it was just awesome. And there is one cool, well, not cool, but there's an interesting um, series of versions of this story that have done the rounds over the years. I'm not sure if you're aware, mm. but... Um, because I didn't know this, but apparently there's four different versions of this story knocking around. Is there? No. Yeah, so the first version is um, the one that was just broadcast initially, uh, the very first one that was back in uh, 2010. And it's also the same one that's on BBC iPlayer currently, uh, or Netflix when it was on Netflix in the UK. And also on the 2010 version of the DVD, or the 2020 version of the Steelbook blu-ray release that's a 65 minutes full-on whatever um the second version um which was seen on the complete fifth series dvd and blu-ray in 2010 um it's got a different logo so they don't use the sound of bbc logo for some reason it's the bbc worldwide and um it's the logo that's when the tardis is zipping above london at the beginning yeah it's on that and it also can change it contains a few little little tiny changes here and there so they take away for some reason um the thunder and lightning sound effect during the opening titles for some reason right Mm -hmm. Uh, it's got an additional fire effect around the tardis as the logo appears and so on and uh um 
uh, and some other bits in the closing title. And then the third version, uh, very similar to the one I've just mentioned, but um, again, a different logo, replaces the um, the Doctor Who DW logo that looks like the TARDIS with a different one. And it's also got a slightly different runtime. And then the fourth one is uh, the BBC America version, which they had to trim down and cut to fit 60 minutes plus adverts. And for that one... Um, it takes away the trailers and stuff like that. Uh, they also take away the Prisoner Zero silence will fall scene at the end. Ooh. And they also take away some of the um, flashbacks um, that were incorporated um, when they talk about stuff that's coming up and impossible, impossible astronaut and the Pandorica stuff. Um, and that edit has just remained now. So anytime that's on BBC America or any other country, they play that shorter version. So oh, it's we- yeah, so it's weird, isn't it, that they've got four versions of the same episode when they didn't need to? Because I can understand the BBC America one, like if you need to trim it down yeah. to fit a specific runtime in that country, plus adverts are like really more that they're a lot oh, more often in US, yeah. aren't they? Um, but the other ones where they're just tweaking and messing around with the logo, depending on when you've bought the DVD or the Blu-ray stuff, that seems a bit bizarre. But it's just weird. It's only this one from the series as well that they tinker with. It's uh, it's a bit weird how odd is that like is that like Moffat doing a george lucas just sat there restless i oh, i wanted to change this and i don't know why would they do that that mm. does seem really and I, I didn't know that at all it's well we're talking about the intro it's funny because i've never been a big fan of the of the intro for well for matt's era really i don't really you know like i like the, the david's intro with the sort of time tunnel but i was never really a fan of any of Matt's intros, really, and this one with all the lightning and stuff, it never really, I don't hate it or dislike it, but it, I never liked it particularly. But it's, um, it seems to have drifted into that, the realms of nostalgia, because watching it yesterday, I got a bit of a sort of warm, ah, oh, this intro feeling. And I thought, oh, it's gone mm-hmm. into that, it's gone into that phase. It's now the sort of, although I don't like it, it's like the sort of, I like it because it's nostalgic and I, it takes me back to, when I first saw it, if you know what I mean. So it's now slipped into that. Um, so I've kind of got a, a nostalgic liking for it now. <laughs> where, but it's never been one of my favourite interests. I think it's the lightning and stuff. I don't quite yeah, get it. Um, and I, the sort of DW forming the TARDIS. I don't know. It never never really clicked with me. But, but yeah, I don't know. Watching it yesterday, I did get In fact, watching this whole episode yesterday, I, I got a huge sense of nostalgia. Um, it, it just took me back to when Matt took over and I knew hardly anything about him as an actor when he was announced. I don't think a lot of people did. And he looked really young and I had no idea what his doctor was going to be like. Um, (laughs) But all I know is that I warmed to him almost immediately when I first watched this. And, um, and by the time the episode finished, I really thought, wow, you know, he's, I like this new doctor. He's like full of energy um, and he's able to do that brilliant thing of switching between being comedic and fun to very serious in a flash. I mean, David was good at that. But if anything, I think Matt's even better. He's just really good at switching from the sort of fun comedy to I'm the doctor and this earth is protected. You know, suddenly it's like, whoa, you know, so, so for a young chap to just come in and it probably, well, it must have been daunting for him to follow in David's footsteps, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. You, yeah. you know, the yeah. show was at absolutely at its peak with David, wasn't it? It was really popular, getting massive figures. Matt is this young chap who's coming in. And I don't know, like, we all know that I think he watched a couple of Trouton episodes as preparation, but 
I don't know what was going on in his head, like if he knew how he was going to play it or if he just followed his instincts or what. But mm-hmm. whatever he did or however he decided to to tackle the role, he really hit gold. I mean, he he absolutely, for me, he's t- to be honest, he's the perfect doctor. You know, I believe he's alien. Uh, I believe he's, you know, he's fun. And I believe that when he says, you know, I'll be back and I'm going to save the universe in 70 minutes, He's got conviction in his voice. I, I just think he's absolutely one of my favourite Doctors because he is so what I imagine the Doctor to be. Um, I just love him. And the look and everything as well. I know they went through a million different versions of the costume to see what suited his Doctor. And I think he, you know, he had this idea of the checkered jacket and bow tie. And it's absolutely right. I mean, that scene at the end when he's talking to the big eyeball... <laughs> And he's slowly getting dressed. It's a real, for me, it's a real moment. Uh, again, when I watch this, it's, mo- it's those scenes that I look forward to watching again and again when he steps through the sort of hologram and he's in full costume. And he's like, I am the Doctor. You know, the, uh, it, it's just such a great moment. And, um, and he delivers it brilliantly. So, but yeah, it's, it, it's, there's a nostalgia to this as well. And that's, it doesn't, it's not the reason I love it because I'm looking at it through rose-tinted glasses. It is great. It is a good script. And I think if anybody's sort of thinking, well, it's not all that, you know, it's not all that. I'm looking at it as, a, as an introductory story to a doctor. I think it's probably one of the best. You know, I'm looking at it in terms of, is it a fun watch? Yes, it's brilliant. The monster may be a slight letdown, you know, if you want to be picky, if, you, if you're thinking that perhaps we're exaggerating how good it is, you might be thinking, well, the monster's not very good in it. I think for an for a regeneration story and an introduction to the new cast, like you know, like uh, Rory and Amy, the way that they are brought into the story is really well done. You know, that when I say it's a good story, I'm talking about things like that. And uh, I don't think Prisoner Zero is a particularly weak villain. I think it's quite cool that it's in hiding and it keeps taking these different forms. Like when it turns into the man and the dog, it doesn't quite get the the thing doesn't quite get it right so that you know the man is barking instead of the dog i think that's a great fun idea um and i like the idea that a monster can turn into two or three different things like the olivia coleman character with the two kids you know but that being one alien pretending to be those three things is interesting i don't think we've really seen that done before so that's you know all that stuff i think is really really good no, I agree, dude. Yeah, I love all that. There's some great stuff in there, isn't there? What's um lots of great stuff. Yeah. What did you think to the so Patient Zero is uh is a fairly fairly okay. Uh, I, I think the concept of Patient Zero is better than what we saw on screen, although it's not terrible. Yeah. It's not terrible. It just ended up being a uh, like a slimy sort of sea snakey uh, kind of thing, which is not bad. You know, it's not terrible. It's um. It's kind of cool, but it's really frightening though. And I love the way that the the perception filter and all that stuff. I love how they yes. how they did that in, in in the episode where instead of just having some techno babble about what a perception filter is, they went down the more sort of suspenseful horror kind of um, treatment with it, where the doctor's like, "Just look out the corner of your eye, where you don't mm. want to look." And then when the penny drops and Amy does it and she can see the door, that whole build up to um, seeing patient zero, that was very cool. And then he says it again, doesn't he, sort of towards the end when she's unconscious and he's like, you know, dream about, you know, patient zero and stuff like that. So that how they treated that along with the perception filter stuff was very, very cool. Um, I love that stuff because I, I get the feeling that 
in the Chibbers era, we would have had the Doctor explaining the perception filter to the companions for the sake of the viewer and having like a five-minute scene around perception filters. Oh, I saw one of them once. It was, you know, it, we did this and we did that. And, yeah. you know, we, we'd, we'd have all of this exposition around what it is. And instead of doing that, Moffat's like, well, actually, let's just do it more of a, let's treat it more as a, you know, this kind of, suspenseful little thing that we know that kids are going to do on the sofa when they watch it they're going to start looking out the side of their eye you mm. know and all that sort of stuff it's really cool stuff um uh, and what did you think to um the 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 bits of the story that now that we've gone back and watched it we obviously know about the whole the thing where Moffat was a big fan of doing the story arc that spanned across the series yeah. and stuff so the obvious one being the crack in the wall which ultimately ended up spanning a lot more than series five. But then we had other things like um, Patient Zero mentioning the silence and silence will fall and all that stuff. At the time, you probably would have scratched your head a little bit and thought, oh, yeah, what's this all about then? But now we've gone back with the luxury of time and we know what's coming. Do you still think that's a cool thing? Because we didn't have as much of that. We, we had it to a degree with Russell's era, but not quite as much where Moff was a big fan of it. Did you like that that stuff about the silence and whatnot and the crack in the wall? I, I must admit I did. Um, I, I'd forgotten how much of it there is in there, actually. They do throw in quite a lot, don't they, of these one little lines that actually become relevant much further in the series, which uh, I suppose at the time you you know you wouldn't have known. So silence will fall. You might have thought, what's that about then? But it, well, you didn't know it was going to be such a big deal. Um yeah, I think actually now I think about it, I may have been slightly disappointed the crack in the wall wasn't explained. I, I quite like things to be tied up fairly quickly. I, I may have been, I can't remember now, I may have been slightly disappointed that that wasn't resolved um, for such a long time because uh, I think that does go on a bit, doesn't it, from what I remember? Yeah, um, doesn't it end up being the, uh, it's the, it's Gallifrey it's Gallifrey, isn't it? Uh, yeah, or the Time Lords, or something like that, because they they bung him a whole fresh set of regens, don't they? Through the crack, of course. Clara, that's it. Clara's like you know, if you love him, then help him, sort of thing. And yeah, isn't it like a parallel? No, something I can't remember. Something yeah. about beyond the crack. There's like another universe or whatever dimension. I can't remember. Something like that. But I mean, if you look at this episode, I mean, it, all these little things that Moffat's throwing in. I'm not going to yeah I did enjoy it and I'm not going to take anything away from him because to me it's just brimming with ideas you can tell that Moffat's like just got all this stuff that he wants to get out you know and they're really good ideas as well cracking the wall that's t- two sort of timelines that sh- have fractured or whatever it is you know this is this great stuff and all this perception filter and and um, the silence will fall prisoners there it's it's brimming with fresh ideas the monster that can emulate different you know a person and two kids and there's just so many clever ideas from Moffat all in this one story that that will sort of eventually um become a you know the bigger picture so I'm not going to take anything away because this is one thing I like about Moffat is that he he does come up with some really good ideas it may not always um pull them off to the extent that I think perhaps he could have done you know they may not always pan out as well as they could have done but um, at least he had some ideas. And I'm, I'm not going to go on a Chibnall bashing thing, but, you know, if you compare it to sort of Chibnall, I mean, he just ha- doesn't have any, doesn't seem to have any originality that, that I feel when I watch something like an episode like this. Mm-hmm. You know, he's yeah. got loads of stuff going on that's new and fresh and exciting and, 
at the time, um, you know, you're thinking, what, wow, what's that going to be then? What's that about? You know, it's intriguing stuff. And yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's really well written by Moffat, I have to say. Here's a refresher for you. So the crack in the wall, it was a mm. time field, which is a, a body of field. energy that spilled from the cracks in the fabric of time and space. The cracks were created by the silence when they blew up the Doctor's TARDIS. On the 26th of June 2010, apparently, as a means of preventing the Doctor from reaching Trenzalor and answering the Time Lord's message, which was sent through the very same cracks the silence created when they blew up the TARDIS. Oh, I'd uh, love to know yeah. at what point in Moffat's mind that all came out. <laughs> like, did he have? Did, surely he didn't have that all in his head when he wrote this. He can't have. Sure. I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of maybe maybe he got lucky and was like, "All right, okay, we need to wrap this up for the time of the Doctor. Let's use the crack in the wall thing, the time field. We'll get lucky with that." But I don't know. Maybe he's like three or four bottles of wine down, and he's got a load of notes all over the table. And he's like, "Actually, in my drunken state." I've actually uh, created a belter of a <laughs> of a, a an era arc, not just a series arc, but who knows? It's the moth in it. Just just before we move off Moffat, actually, I've got to give him another credit as well for taking a a chance with Matt. You know, really mm. young actor, and he done who hadn't done much work at that point for for Moffat to take a punt on him like this. He must have seen, you know, in Matt's um, uh, what do you call it? Not rehearsal. Matt's audition. Mm. You know, he must have seen the magic that Matt had. Uh, he, you know, so hats off to him for that as well, for casting Matt and taking a chance on someone. And I'm sure at the time, I mean, I don't think we were as um, socially aggressive as Doctor Who fans as we are now. I'm not sure. But I'm sure at the time there were people who would, who would have been saying, oh, he's far too young. He can't be the Doctor. And um, I would hope they ate their words when, when they got to see the performance. Mm. He is one of those people as well that's got this sort of, he looks, he is a young guy, but he's got like an old face and sort of, I don't know, there is something about him, isn't there? That he could be yeah. an old man trapped in a young man's body sort of thing. Yeah, he's, he's got like that good mix of um, like Troutony kind of energy and, and kind of quirkiness mixed mm. with um, like an old soul. Like you can tell that he's wise of the, of the world and the universe and stuff, but he's still got that sort of... Like you've you've tightened the spring up and now he's just he's off. Mm. Um, he's got loads of energy because he's like he. How old was he? I can't remember how old he was when he did this. He was very young, but yeah, I can't remember. He was. Yeah. No, I'm not got, sure. Yeah, he's only got loads of energy, but I don't know. He's also got this wise sort of um, sort of vibe about him when he wants to. So you know when he gets excited, you know um, when he's. Uh, especially in the the first third, I would say, of the story, where he's finding his feet post-regeneration, especially the scene where he's going for all the different foods with Amelia, and, you know, that's all quite funny. And then yeah. and then he buggers off, and then he comes back, and, you know, he's all he's always into it. And then there are little pockets as you go through the, the story where he's also like that. But there are other scenes where he does have that kind of old, uh, old wise man feel about him. Like when he says to to Amy, who she still... I think she's fairly sold on it is the doctor, this person that they all said she was crazy that she couldn't see, but she's still not a hundred percent quite sure. So he does this very reassuring thing. Like just give me 20 minutes, just believe me for 20 minutes and then everything will be cool. I'll save the planet sort of thing. So there's little moments like that where he's very, um, you can tell that he's a very old alien 
and like you said earlier he does come across as quite alien at times and not not necessarily like i don't know like davison's doctor or or um tenant's doctor even to a degree he can tell he's very very alien which is cool that's what i love actually because we know that he said he went back and matt this is went back and watched some of Trouter's episode to get a feel for the show and whatever. But you don't, I never ever, because he does get compared to Troughton, but I never ever look at Matt and think, oh, he's trying to be Troughton there. He's trying to copy Troughton there. He's, he's, he's absolutely, he's taken the essence of yeah. the Doctor. And he obviously liked Troughton's sort of, you know, young sort of comedic style that he had, you know, the sort of childlike st- side of Troughton. But he hasn't, he hasn't copied it or tried to be like Troughton, has he? He's absolutely sort of put his own stamp on his doctor, you know. That's, mm. I think that's what I love about Matt. Is he, he, feels like, he feels like he could have elements of the other doctors, but he's his own doctor at the same time, you know. Um, and you just mentioned the fact that the raggedy man, that's one of the things, uh, sort of a recurring joke in this episode, which still, I think, works really well, is that they... Every time Amy introduces him to someone, like the old woman from One Foot in the Grave uh, and the, the young chap with the laptop, and Rory, when Rory first sees him, like there's this sort of moment where they just stand and look at the Doctor and you're thinking, what are they looking at? And they're like, you're, you're him, aren't you? You're the blimmin' raggedy Doctor. That's, you're real. And they can't believe it because obviously Amy, um, although we haven't seen it, has been banging on about him for years to all these different people and now they're <laughs> now they're actually getting to see that oh she wasn't mad he is actually real so that's a nice little recurring dri- joke i think everybody she introduces him to is like oh, it's actually him <laughs> that was cool yeah and i think they use that right up until i think even like amy's last words to him when he regenerates matt you know when she comes down the steps of the tardis and she calls yeah. she just says raggedy man something and something it's oh it's really sad actually uh yeah so they they use that don't they uh, yeah. a, a few times and i'm sure they mention it just every now and then throughout matt's era they either mention the the, the madman with a box or raggedy man pretty sure that yeah, they, they oh, reference definitely. it yeah it's very cool actually because uh and it's actually a really cool visual thing as well because he's wearing david tennant's costume but it's just like wrecked isn't it and ripped and, yeah and all the rest of it is really cool and the sonic gets blown up actually it's funny because uh, one thing that, that's always slightly irked me about the because i really like series five um and i really like matt's era but you know i i will agree with a lot of people that i didn't like the amy flirting with the doctor over rory and all that sort of stuff that she's so sort of in love with the doctor and all this sort of thing watching this again yesterday i think i understand it a little bit more because i don't i don't like it but i'm guessing she you know after experiencing sort of meeting him like that as a young kid and you know that wonderment that sort of fascination of this crazy character that's dropped into earth and is going to take her around you know time and space and she waits forever it's such a sad little scene when young Amelia packs her mm-hmm. case and she's just sat there waiting, it's so sad. But um, so then, you know, Amy probably would obsess about, you know, some of the this sort of time, this um, time alien has landed in your garden. You would get a bit obsessive, wouldn't you? She's made all these sort of, you know, dolls and figures of the Doctor over the years. And so although I'm not sort of excusing some of the sort of stuff, I mean, I always hate that bit when Amy pounces on the Doctor at the end of whatever episode it is but but i kind of understand a little bit more why amy might be a bit in awe borderline obsessed with the doctor 
Um, okay. Yeah. To be honest, yeah. If you if you know what I mean. Whereas it, whereas before, I've kind of just brushed off of oh Amy, leave him alone. Like you've got Rory, just get over it, sort of thing. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe I understood it a little bit more watching this yesterday. I still don't like it much though. No, I read you, mate. Because yeah. I like Rory yeah. so much, and yeah. And yeah. even in this, he's he's great as straight away, isn't he? He's absolutely got his character nailed. Yeah, the kind uh, of Arthur uh, Darville. Yeah, the sort of um, scared out of his wits at everything. Uh, doesn't understand why they're running towards danger. You know that kind of, uh, yeah. It, all of them, the, the the principal cast, they've all got their characters just dialed in straight away. There's none. There's no warm up period. And the thing you mentioned about Amy is is interesting because we had all of that with Rose. Do you remember where yeah. she was just all over David Tennant's Doctor? Um, and then I think, yeah, they the difference is though. And both of them, I, I don't really like too much. But I think the difference is with Rose, that was more of a, she kind of fell for him very quickly. And you mm. see that throughout the, the periods where Rose is in it, and especially that culminating scene on the beach, for example. And yes, the, and the Doctor's uh, TARDIS, uh, the sun that he's draining to send the message just stops and he was he going to say he loves her back you know was he going to say it there's one more time yeah yeah so i think that that was more around i think russell t davis was more just trying to do a love story for the companion for that era but with this one and i think the moth does do this a little bit he does kind of get a little bit a little bit flirty Mm. uh you know a little bit sort of because he does it a lot with river and matt's doctor where yeah. She, you know, she comes out with some, I wouldn't say they're sort of risque um, one-liners, but the flirtiness, mm, it does get one. a little bit close, you know, mm. to being a bit adult. And I think they did that, um, they did that stuff with with Amy at various points as well. Not so much in this first one. The only bit was when he's getting undressed in the hospital and yeah. she, is like, you're not going to turn your back. And she's, you know, nope. no shame about it. She's like, nope. So that's kind of all right. You think, oh, you know, a new guy's just come back into her life. You know, Rory's not, how do we say it? Um, Setting her world on fire. Exactly. Yeah. He's lovely, (laughs) Rory. Of course he is. But, you know, and it's really cool, actually, how they transition throughout the Ponds era, how they transition from her being very much into the Doctor sexually. You can tell that's a thing. Mm. And then as we get to the end of it, she's more like you know she's completely 100 percent in love with rory that's nothing's ever gonna you know break those two apart yeah yeah and but they but it took a while to get to that point though one of the things that my wife said actually yesterday when we were talking about it afterwards and we were talking about companions and we were saying that yeah we both agree that donna is probably the best uh our favorite companion because there isn't any of that silliness with like you know falling for she's each having other. none of it yeah exactly. yeah and she did say that um, she doesn't really like Amy for that very reason. I'm laughing because I can just yeah. hear Donna saying, "You want a mate? You ain't mate with me, spaceman." Like, yeah, Donna was just having none of it. No, basically. no. Yeah. So I can but, I can see what you mean, mate. Yeah, it's you can understand why from a from a perspective, but um, yeah, fortunately it's not too bad in this episode. But yeah, then she does a bit. She does turn into a little bit of a. Uh, the way that she treats Rory at some in some episodes moving forward is a little bit like they really push that. They really push the whole uh, 
what's the phrase uh, i don't know but anyway like with with rory you can tell that he's just besotted with her and do anything for her whereas you don't you get the feeling that she's not really feeling that same back to him at some points and that's what i mean it takes a long while towards the end of their their era as the ponds for us to realize that actually yeah she'll go to her death for rory you know she loves him but yeah in the early days it just took a while yeah, it's, it does make for a good arc. I suppose that's what, what I'm saying is uh, a lot of Moffat stuff can be rewarding watch when you rewatch it. Um, but yeah, it certainly sometimes takes a while to get there. You, you said about the adult side, you know, the adult tone to Moffat, some of Moffat's writing. And I, I think it's definitely there. And I think it can be a little close to Knuckles. So how did you feel about Amy uh, being a kissogram? Because... Obviously, in the promo shots and everything leading up to this, we'd seen, you know, she was a policewoman. And then we thought, oh, that's a very strong, you know, female lead police officer, which, of course, we now have with Yasmin Khan. So that's the chibbers, I guess, correcting that. Um, but, um, yeah, do you think it was a bit of a, I don't know, just is that sort of dated badly? Do you think having Amy as a kissogram? I, I'm just going to say quickly, it wasn't as bad as I remember because I... I thought i was going to be really cringing at some of the kissogram stuff but when she's that little joke between the one foot in the grave woman sorry i can't remember her name annette Cos- crosby isn't it um yeah when she's saying oh yeah weren't you a nurse the other week and i, I must admit <laughs> i thought it was quite funny it wasn't quite as cringy as i remembered it being but i still think it's a bit unnecessary i don't know it does make for a good twist because you think she's a policewoman and she's calling for backup, and and then it's revealed that actually she's not at all. She's just got the outfit. So it does make for a fun twist, but but is it distasteful or dated having her as a chrysogram, do you think? Uh, I, I don't think it's it? distasteful, no. I think no. it's just more unrealistic for me. Yeah, because you can kind of see it, because the character of Amy, you can tell that she's just this fiery... Uh, sort of person but she lives in a very quiet tiny little village yeah so that probably suits her character where she just doesn't want to fold into normal life and just you know take a job in the village somewhere she doesn't want to do that but at the same time it doesn't strike me as a sort of place that has loads of like stag parties and all that sort of thing where she Mm. can make some decent money being a kissogram so I, I found it a bit unrealistic from that point of view and she doesn't yeah i don't know but then again from her character specifically it's okay i don't think it was too distasteful though i mean the only bit that was a little bit close was when they followed up with yeah like you said wasn't weren't you a nurse and then yeah something like weren't you a nun as well or something like that so you can tell she's got all these different sort of sexy little costumes and stuff but yeah i don't know it's uh i think it's it's okay um but there are certainly worse and more close to the knuckle things to come from Moffat's writing for sure yeah I, I do also think although yeah I, I probably would have preferred it if she'd you know had a different job um just because it's Doctor Who but no it's it's not too bad but it, there is also it does slightly round her character because not the kissogram side particularly but you do get the feeling that everybody in the village knows Amy so her character already feels quite rounded because she's going around and everybody knows she's you know, got this raggedy doctor that she bangles about. There's a bit where she shuts the doctor's tie in that old man's door. And he's like, Amy, I, I will need that car back. And so she, you, you already feel like she's quite well known 
in this tiny little village, which helps to make her character feel quite real, doesn't it? You know what I mean? Because yeah. everybody seems to know, oh, it's Amy. Yeah, she's a bit, you know, she's a bit off the wall as Amy sort of thing. You just get that feeling that she's very well known in the village. Mm-hmm. For yeah. whatever reason, yeah, yeah, Rija, yeah, and the same with well, it feels like it's a close knit little little place, doesn't it? And uh, yeah, look, I'd love to go there. It looks a really nice little place, actually. Yeah, where is it? I can't remember. I think the duck pond's fake as well. I, I think I only <laughs> discovered that about a year ago. I was like, the duck pond is fake. Why is that? Yeah, I think they put probably put that in just for that line. Oh, okay. Why? Why are there no ducks in the duck pond? We never found out. We never found out, did we? No. What did you yeah. think of the Sherlock moment? Um, the bit where the doctors i missed it what did i miss and he we'd get this weird sort of probably quite expensive at the time camera shot mm. tracking shot across the field of the different people see i was i mean i really loved it at the time i was slightly worried it was going to be a thing that the doctor did every week i don't know why i was like oh is this the doctor's new thing now but i'm glad they only use it the once because it just shows it's just to show what's going on in the doctor's mind isn't it that he's looking for all the different characters to see what he's missed. And I thought that was a really interesting thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't... I think it was well executed anyway. It looked pretty cool. Yeah. The only thing is, though, it's probably quite expensive to do in terms of time. Oh, I wouldn't want it every week. It'd drive me crackers. Yeah, from a production point of view, it's probably... So maybe it was... I don't know this at all, but maybe it was something that they dipped their toe in the water, like, is this a thing that we could do for Matt's Doctor, the whole Sherlock thing, you know, like you said. It, so it, it feels very Sherlock to me. Yeah. yeah, so I'm glad they didn't do it. But it is a cool little thing just to insert into this one story. But I, I feel like having to do that regularly throughout the series, it would have just, yeah, been a nightmare to try and weave it in somehow into yeah. each story. So it's kind of cool, but yeah. It's, it's another thing that makes me feel like it's Moffat putting his stamp on it as well. He's like doing something that's very Moffat. Well, we wouldn't have known it then, but now I look at it and think that is such a Moffaty thing to do. It's such a <laughs> Sherlocky thing to do. So yeah, I really like that scene. I really like the bit because it actually it's, it's R- Rory that he ends up is the thing that he's missed, isn't it? Because Rory is the only one not looking at the sky or something. So uh, that, that then yeah. brings Rory yeah. into it. And I thought oh, that's, that's a nice, uh, it's a nice way to bring Rory into the story. And as he gets his feelings immediately hurt, doesn't he? He's like, oh, no, hey, we've been with that good-looking chap. And oh, he's yeah. like, oh, him. Oh, here <laughs> we go. Yeah. So, again, already I'm smiling just at scenes like that. And it's just it's very simple but fun writing, isn't it? Yeah. Just, and he does yeah. write Rory in a very, a very likeable way. He's got that very insecure... Uh, he feels like he's punching above his weight. Amy's obviously... He feels like, you know, she's this beautiful angel, perfect, everything and uh <laughs> so anytime yeah so he's got insecurities around the doctor in the first place and then you add yeah. on this this good looking chap with the laptop and that's a really cool funny scene where the doctor runs back to use his laptop and he runs yeah. in and he's obviously looking at something that's a bit untoward and then you think that's it done with and then when the doctor's about to leave he's like oh by the way delete your browser history by the way not good and, <laughs> and the doctor's off it's really cool little things like that that the moth does and, um, and the Patrick Moore bit. Oh, the Patrick Moore. Yeah. Like, behave yourself, Patrick, you yeah. devil. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. He's so, actually in it as well, isn't he? Yeah. yeah some cool little bits like that. Uh, just quickly, um, what did you think to some of the, uh, what's the best way to describe it? The the very Doctor Who-y bits in this. So we have uh, a new TARDIS interior. We have a new sonic screwdriver. Yeah. And, uh, and obviously Matt's new um, 
for this point anyway, costume at the very end and stuff. So it's always cool when these regeneration episodes, isn't it, where you get into some new stuff and it kicks off with the cloister bell early on, doesn't it? And he's like, oh no! And he has to run in because he thinks something's going to break and then he's off. And But then when we get the reveal at the end of Matt's interior TARDIS and stuff, it's all it's all very sort of wide-eyed and amazing and it's cool. And then his little Sonic pops up and he's like, Oh, that sounds gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So it's really cool. Isn't that a bit like that? And it's the first time that we see, I think anyway, it's the first time that we see um, the St. John's. Uh, is it the first time we see that? Um, yes, it is. Yeah. Well, since it came back. Yeah. I think it's since a, a particular story. Um, I think it's the war machines. In fact, it's the first is time we've really? seen the Gosh, St. John's. Wow. Yeah. On the exterior. Yeah, so I quite like Matt's TARDIS. They they changed the colour of it very slightly from Tennant and Eccleston's one, didn't they? They make it. May, I'm sure they made it a slightly deeper, richer blue colour than previously. But it does look pretty cool. The interior is not bad. Yeah, I, I was so excited, like the first time I watched this, to for the reveal because I'd seen the odd photo of the TARDIS before the series aired. So there was a bit of a you know, there was a bit of, um, the fans were going crazy, really, because the St. John's Ambulance badge was back. I mean, it seems mad that that was such a big thing, but it was. I remember it was all like, oh, Moffat's put the badge back on the TARDIS and it, and it looks all blue and chunky and, oh, he's, he's got a new TARDIS. And it was quite a big thing. So I was really excited to see it on screen, you know, when this first aired. And it's a beautiful tracking shot, isn't it? When we first get to see that TARDIS, it... It looks glorious. It looks really chunky and the windows are, are different from the previous one and it's got the badge on and you're like, oh, this is great. And then I'm, I'm thinking, oh, we haven't seen inside yet. What's it going to be like? <laughs> and they really hold off as well. Like Amy goes in and I remember like, come on, show us, like almost screaming at the TV the, the first time I watched this because I was desperate to see the inside of the TARDIS. Um, and you don't really get to see that much in this one. They they really sort of hold back. But I think it looks good. I've never been a massive fan of Matt's interior. I'll be honest. It's not one of my favourites. I definitely prefer um, Tennant's and Eccleston's. But looking at it again yesterday, it kind of suits Matt. It's a bit steampunk, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. which yep. it's not my sort of thing, but I, I kind of think it suits Matt's Doctor. And a bit like the intro, it's grown on me over the years. So when it was first, you know, when I first saw it on screen, I was a bit like, oh, I don't know. It's very orange and red, and I don't <laughs> know if I like it. Um, but it's definitely grown on me over the years. I love the bit where the Sonic pops up as well. Matt gets his own Sonic. Again, that gave me chills yesterday watching that. I was like, oh, yes, he mm-hmm. gets his Sonic at the end. I've forgotten about that. So, yeah, I think it looks good. And I do love the big circly thing on the roof, which I'm sure must be a, uh, a hark back to Hartnell's, that funny thing that was oh, in yeah. Hartnell's TARDIS, yeah. which was only in a few episodes before they <laughs> decided they couldn't be bothered to hang that big lampshade up anymore. But, but yeah, it's lovely. I mean, that does look really nice on the ceiling of the TARDIS. So it's grown on me. I do like it. Yeah. No, I think it's, it's cool. It's a, I yeah. wouldn't say it's my favourite TARDIS no. interior, but it's not bad though. It's pretty cool. I do like the whole because Tennant and Eccleston's one was very grungy, wasn't it? It was quite organic, very yeah. grungy. And then this one, they've, they, I think they, their design decisions, they've kept it to a degree. So you've got all like the kitchen taps on the TARDIS and like some pipe work. It's quite steampunk. It does look a little bit sort of worn and grungy in places, but then the, the floor and the walls and the ceiling and the lighting, it's all very shiny, isn't it? It's a bit more. Uh, sort of typical sci-fi spaceshipy to a degree 
Um, so yeah, it's not too bad, but I love the monitor as well. It reminds me a bit of the Eighth Doctor's monitor. You know that that sort of old fashioned. Oh yeah, yeah. It's got like a brown leather around it. Yeah. it looks yeah, it looks really old fashioned. I like that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. So yeah, I think the unveiling of it is really well done, and um, it's a, a nice moment when we finally get to go inside. Yes, no, yeah. it's cool. Yeah. Um, Rightio, I don't have anything else on my notes, dude. I just want to say just very lastly, the music again is just awesome. And there were two things that were awesome. The theme that we've spoken about, but also there's this little music cue that happens anytime we see the crack in the wall. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. It's just a really foreboding. Yeah, it's like a little yeah. thud with like a little bass note and stuff. That was, love it. Love that stuff because it really sets the tone for that foreboding, like something bigger is at play. Yes. We're not just the doctor isn't just dealing with patient zero and then everything's ha- you know fine and dandy you can tell that there's a and also we get the thing around the silence you know and patient zero actually telling us that something is afoot but that music does bring on that sense of oh crap you know something bigger is about to kick off you know so yeah just want to say yeah the music again and that's what i miss about jody's era you know i miss these big themes these big because although Segan's music is very atmospheric and it's very nice and stuff, sometimes these Murray Gold themes uh, and these, you know, I, I don't know. I just think I, I miss that at times. No, no, don't, absolutely. I, I mean, I watching this the whole time yesterday, all I wanted to do was go and put the soundtrack on when it finished. I was like, I, just the music in it is stunning. Um, and just, yeah, I mean, just to sort of wrap up really, I don't know, did you watch the next time trailer at the end of it? I did. Yes. Flipping heck. Great, wasn't it? Yeah. It's, oh, I mean, again, I, I don't know. I wouldn't have watched that trailer for years, but just watching that. And I mean, these are episodes I've seen over and over again, but watching that trailer, it is thrilling. It's absolutely thrilling. And I can't remember, but at the time I must have watched that and been like, oh, mm-hmm. full of absolute excitement for what was going to come in Series 5 because it, it is phenomenal, actually. And it does highlight, actually, some really great stuff um, that I think perhaps, you know, my, I myself have overlooked over the years. It's some really good stuff yeah, in the Moffat era. It's yeah. very re- rewarding to go back to, which is uh, which is good. You know, I think a lot of it is um, very rewatchable, mm-hmm. uh, which at the time, perhaps things that confused me, you know, like the arcs and everything like that, it, it has paid off for the most part, I think, yeah. rewatching it. I th- yeah, I think it got a bit out of hand as we get into especially Series 7 for me mm. but definitely man series five yeah it's um we, we yeah we're big fans we make no no bones about that series five is a very good very good series isn't it of modern who i i really yeah. like it yeah i mean watching that next time trailer just made me want to watch the rest even i mean i very rarely watch the beast below and i get the feeling that could be a in the mood for episode i know it's not the best but i really felt like carrying on i could have quite easily watched the rest mm. yeah no i agreed dude defo yeah. agreed Okie dokie. Right, let's get on to scores then. I think it's me to go first. Yes, you first. Yeah, I'm going to give this uh, a 9 out of 10. <laughs> cool. I'm the same, mate. I think I think there's a real magical feel, a real sort of, um, I wouldn't say fairy tale, but there's a sort of magical feel to this episode. And uh, Moffat's 100% put his stamp on it in a really good way. Uh, cracking start to Matt Zero. Yeah, yes. 9 out of 10. Yep, defo did. Agreed. Okie dokie. What did our lovely listeners think to this one then? We are going to kick straight off um, with our first review. This is Tardisnet 66. 
I think the 11th hour is the best series opener since the series first returned in 2005. I would say it's my personal third favourite post-regeneration story, just behind Power of the Daleks and Spearhead from Space. I think Matt Smith is one of the few Doctors who found himself immediately with wonderful childlike wonder and joy, also a great sense of age and intellect, as in this episode he is one step ahead of the enemy and inspires others to be the best they can be. The way the story introduces Amy is truly genius and very clever. I feel invested in her character immediately with the Doctor as her imaginary friend, having suffered through the psychological damage of waiting for the Doctor for all these years, and it creates an immediate sense of familiarity with Amy, Rory, and the Doctor, and it creates a concise and focused storyline on one of the most unique Doctor and companion relationships. This is a real magical story. I think the villain is very disposable, but it really is one of the best launching pads for a series. I remember watching this when I was 10 for the first time, and it simply got better. I give it a 9.5 out of 10. 9.5? 9.5. Crikey Moses, that's a good yeah. score, dude. Yeah. And you're right, it's a very unique... I know all the relationships between Doctor and Companions are unique, but this one is a very um, unique in the fact that because Amy and Rory are a couple, that does throw a different spin on on what's going on because other than some other little relationships that have happened in prior you know doctor who even ian and barbara we are, some people think they're a couple and they're not mm. it's weird isn't it so yeah, yeah. I just, i'm just laughing at rory when just amy introduces him she's like this is my friend he's like well boyfriend oh, boyfriend actually, <laughs> she yeah. wasn't, she wasn't <laughs> so keen to add the, the beginning bit yeah yeah she's quite dismissive yeah it's cool yeah. uh yeah thank you very much tardis net a 9.5 wicked uh right this is simon hodgson Hello Gary and Adam, so for my quick review of The Eleventh Hour, I'm a very big fan of this, it's one of, that is really um, good, more or less from the start, with very few, if any, disappointments going forward, Uh, we even get a brand spanking new title sequence and theme, which although is pretty good, I'm still a sucker for the original series one from 2005 myself, but it is pretty good, Uh, as far as opening stories go, it's a very entertaining hour or so that um, has many iconic things included. Uh, the fish fingers and custard scene, which probably um, most most people would remember. Uh, the iconic quotes of bow ties are cool. And I'm definitely a madman with a box. And, and for me, the best of all, the I am the doctor theme that would play throughout the whole of series five going forward. Um, but yeah, the, the plot itself isn't too complicated. I did like the CGI on the Prisoner Zero um, in its snake form when it changed, which was pretty good for the time. But for me, I think the biggest success of this story is the introduction of Amelia or Amy Pond and the memorable dialogue between the two in more or less every scene with the Doctor. And uh, obviously the the, the scene with Amy Pond in a police uniform as well. Uh, Rory at this stage um, seems to be a bit of a clone of Mickey in terms of characterisation, like he was with with Rose. Uh, But again, he's a likeable character at this stage. Um, We even get a brand spanking new TARDIS interior. Um, They're clearly going for a completely new start in all forms, but which I guess is normally the case with any new Doctor to settle him in and all that. Uh, All in all, then, I think it's a fine introduction to Series 5 and one of the best episodes of New Who's are Grace Our Screens. So I'll give it a solid nine bow ties out of ten. Cheers. Nine bow ties. Bow ties are cool. Yeah. A solid nine. There's a lot of great quotes in it, actually, isn't there? There is, actually, yeah. 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 
So a solid nine from Simon. That's pretty cool. Uh, and you're right. Yeah, it's a great start. I think we can all agree it's a great, great start to a new Doctor, a new series and stuff. So, yeah, thank you very much, Simon. Moving on, this is Sammy Satin from Down Under. Hey, Gary and Adam, Sammy Satin here. So, dun, 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 dun. The 11th hour. This is just brilliant, isn't it? From start to finish. I love little Amelia with her little suitcase, nightdress, gumboots, etc. She's marvellous. I love the bit in the kitchen where the doctor is trying different foods. I have tried fish fingers and custard. I loved it. I really didn't expect to. There you go. Matt is brilliant. Right from the first second. I watched this just before the 50th when I did a marathon of series 5 to 7 because I hadn't seen it. I'd only ever experienced David as a doctor and even though I'd seen Chris by that point, I still found the end of time hard to get over. That story still makes me an absolute mess. I give it 10 prisoner zeros out of 10. See ya. 10. Maximum scores. Question, from Sammy. Have you ever tried uh, fish fingers and custard? I haven't. No, have you? No. Can't say it's oh. appealed. <laughs> I no. don't know. I like both, but would I like them together? Don't know. Mm, I have to try sure. that one day. Yeah. I can see, I mean, it looks, it, watching Matt Smith tuck into it does look cool, but yeah, mm. not sure. Right, yo, moving on. Thank you very much, Sammy. Moving on. This is Seb Lane. Hello, Garrett Adam. I hope you're well. So this week it is the 11th hour. Now, this story has um, a special place in my heart because I believe it was the first ever Doctor Who story I watched go live um, back in, when was it, 2010 on broadcast. So I was only, I was quite young at the time. I was about, what, five, six? I'm not sure. Um, But honestly, I love this story so much. It's a brilliant example of a good post-regeneration story. Matt Smith is brilliant in it. And it does set up series five, which is my favourite modern series. Um, it's got this big fairy tale feel to it, which I just love. And it's so warm and comforting. And I just I just really, really enjoy it. So I'm glad it was the first story I properly watched. And it got me into the show. So um, I have to give it praise in that regard. And I hope you all enjoy it as well. So thanks, guys. And I'll see you next week, whenever that may be. Well, next week. It'll be next week, hopefully. <laughs> I can confirm it'll be next week. Can confirm, <laughs> yes. Uh, Rightio, thank you very much, Seb. Uh, another decent score, dude. They're rocking and rolling on this one. Yep. Did they give it a score, did he? Uh, well, no, just, you know. Oh, a decent review, yes. Loving d- it. Decent review, yeah, yeah. Yeah, rocking and rolling, yeah. Thank you very much, Seb. Moving on, this is Neil Campbell. What about you, fellas? Hope you're well. So the 11th hour, I'll get straight to it. I love Series 5. I think it's brilliant. And I think the introduction of Matt Smith's Doctor in that story is just superb. It is fantastically written. It is fantastically directed. It just made such a good impression. So much that when I think of 2010, which was like in my my own personal life, was like a really, really fun time. Um, I always think of Series 5 and specifically the 11th R. And I remember racing home from uh, the Portadown match that day of football to make sure I was back home in time for that. And 
my mate even watched it as well and he loved it and I just love that story and everything about it like even the soundtrack for Murray Gold and stuff it was outstanding and you see that opening scene where the TARDIS is flying over London and you know he narrowly misses Big Ben and stuff I think that's brilliant and I love the new theme tune as well and then the scene where it has the flashback of all the other doctors and all like you know monsters like the sea devils and all I thought it really helped cement Matt Smith, who put in a great performance, as did Karen Gillan as Amy Pond. It was outstanding. For me, bar the spearhead from space, it's the strongest opening story for a Doctor. So, in that case, definitely for the new series anyway then. But I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Cheers. Another I'm 9. Score. Yes. Yeah. So, other than spearhead, the strongest opening. Yeah, I, could, I, I can see that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, nice one, Neil. Thank you very much, dude. And lastly, this is Mr. Joe Turner. The 11th hour is one of the best introductions to a doctor ever. I love how the whole show has been reinvigorated and feels fresh and incredibly different to the Tenant era with a magical and fairy tale vibe to it. The episode has such a quick pace to it as well, which keeps the viewers interested in the story and a supporting cast all fantastic. Even Olivia Coleman's in it. And Especially Jeff, who still to this day has one of the best scenes in Who, where Matt steals a computer and he says, Get a girlfriend, Jeff. What was he watching is the real question. But anyway, the corner of your eye stuff is terrifying, and what a cool concept it is. It's so eerie. Prisoner Zero is great, the voice is intimidating and assertive, and the crack in the wall scene where the Doctor opens it to reveal Prisoner Zero's cell works so well and i love how he grabs amelia's hand and reassures her that everything is fine it's for me the first sign that matt is now the doctor and he's making the character his own the humor lands outstandingly well the music score is fantastic especially because it's the introduction of i'm the doctor and the flash the flashback scene of all the doctors and the dialogue and the music supporting it makes for one of the best scenes in doctor who ever and when matt steps forward with his new costume and bow tie and says hello i'm the doctor basically run you know matt is here to stay so overall i'm going to give this episode a 10 out of 10 it's flawless it's top dear doctor who it's outstanding i just love it thank you joe loving it yeah uh, another maximum score that is a scene in it basically run oh just shivers yeah, yeah. brilliant love it dude cool well some expect i knew this this would uh this would score really well i could see that coming unlike what we did last week uh which is really weird because i thought logopolis was going to be scored really well <laughs> and it ended up being not so much which not is weird so but much. uh no, not so much love for logopolis yeah <laughs> yeah so Okay, what did our listeners think over on the socials then? I'm going to rattle through these because there was loads. It's a popular story. Yes. So uh, Doctor Who Home said, uh, happy memories of this one uh, from that fantastic open to the memorable reveal of Eleven in Amelia's Garden. I think uh, I was seven when this dropped and can safely say before this, I wasn't a fan of the idea of a new Doctor. Safe to say Matt won me over in seconds, a 10 out of 10. Cool. Uh, Josh van der Slees, or van der Sluis, uh, one uh, for the first story. It's an excellent one from Smith's era, as it does something that no other story has, where the Doctor doesn't have the TARDIS or the Sonic to depend on. Yeah. Uh, excellent acting from everyone. Nine fish fingers in custard out of ten. Uh, Vincent Blonde One says maybe I'm biased because Eleven is my fave Doctor but this one is one of the best episodes of Who Uh, everybody doing their best work from the start 11 out of 10 Chippy T brilliant start to Matt's run surely it's impossible to fit all this into anything less than two parts the interplay between them is so good you would think they had been travelling for years when Who is this good it's imperious 10 out of 10 Uh, 
Ten, yeah. Uh, Brighter Moon, Neil, how are you doing, buddy? Uh, in my top five of all-time fave episodes of Who, and very likely the finest intro to a new Doctor. Uh, everything about this feels new and fresh, from the cinematography, the music, and of course Matt Smith. He's absolutely fantastic. This is fantastic. Who? Uh, Thomas Meehan, uh, one of my fave episodes and a perfect start for Matt uh, Smith. This episode made me become a Whovian. I love the fairy tale feel Series 5 has, and it made me fall in love with Doctor, uh, with the 11th Doctor and River Song when she returned in the Angels two-parter. Okay. Uh, the Stylish One. It's a nice Twitter name. Uh, a great intro episode for Eleven, the Moffat era, and even for a new fan. The pacing is tight and never lets the story drag while lots of plot is actually pretty great too. Uh, the side characters are all amusing in their own way and Smith nails it as the Doctor for me. Our writer Jordan says, must be the only person who isn't a massive fan of this one. <gasps> Jordan, it's, wash your mouth out. Yeah, Jordan says, it's good, don't get me wrong, but I didn't see... I didn't see in it what everyone else does. Matt Smith and Karen Gillan are great, as is Arthur Darvel, but the monsters are lacking and it feels quite rushed towards the end. Just good. Okay. Sack him, Gary. Sack yeah. him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, at Last Living Yeti uh, says the best new Doctor Who story in the show's history. Uh, Sarah Louise, a running Whovian, says, I started this episode thinking, who's this Matt Smith fella then? And ending it thinking he's my favourite new Doctor Who. Uh, a brilliant intro to raggedy man rory and amy i loved the corner of the eye perception filter concept and the many references to stories yet to come nine out of ten yes nice one sarah uh tom uh at signed titan sci-fi says one of the best openers for a regen story and start of a new era a clever introduction for amy love all the guest stars eight out of ten edward galuli probably the best of matt's era it's different it's different and exciting from the first act and has a fairy tale feel to it matt is superb as always, even if Prisoner Zero is a bit weak, 9 out of 10. Okay. Uh, Lost on Gallifrey podcast. Uh, a lot of comments already, so I'll keep it short and sweet. One of the very best. I absolutely adore every second. 10 out of 10. Nice. Nice. Dan Johnson. Such a brilliant start to a new era that made me forget any doubts. It's the best post-regen story that new showrunners will always try and replicate, so I feel I have to give it a 10 out of 10. And lastly, Tin and Sonic says uh, smith took the role and made it his own in one episode it's an instant he was the doctor and remains my favorite of new who to this day the story was great intro to amy was magical and it set the bar for what i consider new who's best series 10 out of 10 brilliant another 10 love it uh, dan pin says a wonderful intro to the 11th doctor matt smith hits the ground running with no other actor to play the doctor the confrontation scene with the atraxi when matt steps through the hologram and his previous selves dressed in tweed and bow tie absolute perfection 10 out of 10 we forgot to mention that scene it is very cool when he's on the roof and we have all the images of the past doctors yeah and he fantastic. steps through brilliant he yeah that's through. yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just going to read a quick email review. This is from The Wandering Slovene. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have three, uh, those three guys there. The first one, Sam, um, says, Moffat manages to balance so many aspects in this episode uh, in such a triumphant way. He has to introduce a new Doctor and he excels. Matt knows where uh, that we're going to be, that there were going to be new fans. So he doesn't just introduce Matt's Doctor. He introduces the Doctor. He does it in a way that brings um, new fans up to speed and brings pre-existing fans in a new sense of mystery about the Doctor. And Sam goes on to give it nine fish fingers and cuss it out of ten. Mm -hmm. uh, Joe says, 11th hour is a pretty good story. Matt Smith does a terrific job as the Doctor and Rory and Amy are good as well. I thought the idea of Prison Zero was cool. Sadly, the look wasn't quite as brilliant. Uh, the big eye 
uh, it's just a big eye and the rest of the story is great the ending is a bit meh uh, with the doctor telling them he is the doctor and not having a plan but that doesn't really matter eight out of ten and raf says the 11th hour is probably matt smith's best story setting up the main features of his era in a smooth and cohesive way the 11th doctor is instantly lovable uh, with his over-the-top manner and impeccable dress sense. In terms of setting up companions, it explores the effects of meeting the Doctor as a child really effectively. Uh, and then Raph goes on to give it a 7 out of 10. Cool. So thank you very guys. Thank you very much, guys, for emailing that in. And lastly, a few over on Facebook. Jeff Waddle says, Still my fave intro story to a new Doctor, uh, and, a, and bar a few minor tweaks required, it's nigh on perfect. Mm. Uh, Matt is the perfect combo of eccentric slash serious and the whole show seems to have been given a fresh new look and feel completely nailed it right from the start 10 out of 10 nice uh, Mark Hugill says I really wasn't looking forward to re-watching this as I'm not a Matt Smith fan at all however I was pleasantly surprised ignoring the dated CGI of Prisoner Zero and the awful sequence of the TARDIS flying through the sky out of control this had some positive points for me scary moments um with Prisoner Zero in its human forms and the gigantic eye through the crack in the wall. Goes on to give it an 8 out of 10. Toby Coleman, uh, the story that got me into Who and one of my most rewatched stories. I adore it from the fairy tale vibe to the wonderful performances. Even I Am the Doctor, which became overplayed, is still fresh and exciting. Uh, Toby goes on to give it a 9.5. Charlie Turner says, it's safe to say that when Moff was the showrunner after Davis left, he started with a bang literally via the TARDIS exploding to start what I like to call the fairy tale series. The only downside mm. is the CGI. Um, it goes on to give it a 10 out of 10. Crikey. Uh, last couple, Baz Warrington. Uh, it's a hard task to introduce a new Doctor and a new villain within the confines of one episode, but I think Moff just about pulls it off. It helps that Matt Smith hits the ground running with a superb performance. I don't think there has been an actor that has made such an impact since Tom in Robots. Uh, it goes on to give it an 8 out of 10 and lastly Joseph Howard says I'm surprised I didn't watch the rest of Matt's run after this episode I don't know why I stopped at the 11th hour uh, when it first aired I just did and uh, it wouldn't be until Peter Capaldi became the Doctor I got back into Doctor Who for real anyways this was a terrific start to Matt's era uh, and it still holds up after 11 years and Joseph goes on to give it a 9 out of 10 some long ones there over on Facebook but phew uh, some, uh, I knew it'd be popular, this one. Yeah, some some great reviews there. As always, I'd love to read out them all, read them all out in full. Um, but you guys, uh, you do like to um, to go into some detail, which is fantastic, but we just can't read them all out on the podcast. But overall, dude, I'm pretty sure this is a 9.5 average. Yeah, I'm really pleased, actually, because yep. it's great. I love to hear Matt getting some love because uh, I, I just think he's a, a, such a cool doctor. And it, it, I think Moffat should be proud of this one. You know, he didn't may not have got everything right, but man, I think he should be proud of this story. It's a belter. Yeah, dude, defo. Absolutely, yeah, just, yeah, we love this one, don't we? Rightio. Well, what have we got next week, bud? What are we what reviewing awesome. next week? Next week, yeah, we're diving back to the Sarah Jane Adventures with the penultimate story. Dude, we've only got two left, two stories. Oh. Uh, so it's the curse of Clyde Langer next week. <gasps> Clyde, what's going to happen to Clyde? Yeah. Okay. Curse of Clyde Langer. Yes. I must admit, I'm looking forward to seeing those guys. We've had a bit of a break, haven't we? So, Indeed, yeah. yeah. Okay, right. Well, on that then, let's wrap for 310. All righty.
Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming back uh, and listening to another episode of the Big Blue Box podcast. And if you're not coming back, this is your first time listening to us, then welcome aboard the TARDIS. It's great to have you here. Next week, as Adam said, we're going to be diving back into the Sarah Jane adventures with the curse of Clyde Langer. So get your DVDs or Blu-rays out for that and give that a watch because we'll be asking for your thoughts and reviews as always which is a really cool part of the show for thank you to everyone that's taken the time to do your audio reviews or get in touch on the socials it's all good thank you so much uh in the meantime before next week remember to follow us and listen for free on whatever podcast app you currently listen to your podcasts on uh, you'll find us on there we'd love to have you as a follower that way you won't miss a show when it lands every friday and if your app of choice allows you to leave a review if you could take a minute to do that that would be awesome we'd really appreciate that because it helps us out loads and uh, thank you so much to those uh, those of you that have left reviews thus far thank you very much uh, remember to check out the website bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk you can listen to all of these shows on there for free uh, as well plus we have a load of articles and reviews that go out from our writing team so check those out uh, maria jordan and mark putting out some really cool stuff over there we're on the socials too instagram twitter and facebook links on the website or do a search for us we chat doctor who throughout the week so come and get involved there and we have a free discord server uh, there's a link on the website come and sign up uh, and chat doctor who with some other doctor who fans it's all good also we can't forget we cannot forget, forget. come on it's the uh, it's the youtube channel that has all of the geek stuff no lie it is the geeks handbag yes that's my channel go and have a look and uh, give me a what's the what's the correct term now follow uh, no on youtube worship, it's still worship, subscribe subscribe yeah oh yeah yeah so go and subscribe to adam's channel tons of really cool videos over there go and check it out and adam is on the socials too under the same name the geeks handbag so go and give him a, a like and a follow over there right yo until next week uh my name's gary <laughs> before you forgot your name my name's adam i did forget my name and remember <laughs> and... L-D. L-D. L-D.